Well, welcome back to the When I Heard This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm here with Joseph Tillman. It's a new one. It's a new day. How are you? Man, I'm, I'm good today. Good. I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm awesome. feeling today. Yeah, man. Come yes. on. Yes. Wow. <sighs> yeah. Great. All right. Today we're talking about how Christians don't act like Jesus Christ and what acting like Jesus actually means. Because Jesus had a full life, and he probably acted differently at different times in that life, and uh, we're going to get into it. We'll see. Um, first up top, just uh, click all the buttons around all the videos in the streams, and not the thumbs down. So, yeah, don't hit that one. No, don't. And then uh, go to Patreon. It's five bucks. We're talking about how Jesus acted and why Christians don't necessarily act that way, whatever that way is. Mm-hmm. So... First question is, what does acting like Jesus mean? A few things that it's not, all right? So it's not just being nice. It's not just being spiritual. Or it's not just being serious. Because I feel like those are three quick stereotypes that come into people's mind. It's not th- It's not just those things um, or not those things. So acting like Jesus, so Jesus acted out of his nature, which was of being God. We're talking about what is the nature of God, really. Like He acted that way. He acted out from his nature. Galatians 5 describes it as love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the way Galatians 5 describes acting like Jesus. Um, Philippians 2 kind of takes the perspective of a point of humility and putting others' interest above one's own, and that would be acting like Jesus because the way he acted, it would look like extending forgiveness. It would look like standing firm in truth, but yet also having compassion at the same time. And then it would look a whole lot like caring for those that maybe the maybe get looked over or that the world doesn't deem of great value because the Lord always would care for those individuals. Um, In fact, in Matthew 25, he says, for those that cared for me when I was hungry or when I was thirsty, when I was naked, when I was in need of shelter, and they ask him, when did you, when did we do this? Um, And he said, when you, when you do this, for one of the least of these, or when you do this for one of the least of my brothers or least of my sisters, in other words, one of the least of my creation, when you care for them, you're caring for me. So that's that would be acting like Jesus. Uh, those were the things I would say are acting like Jesus. This prompt was, why do Christians not act like Jesus? Mm-hmm. So, you ready? Uh- <laughs> I am so okay. So basically, what you're saying is, all right. If that's all the ways that they're supposed to act like Jesus, let's discuss now why they don't do that. Okay, is that where we're going? Yeah. All right. Fantastic. All right. I think church people act weird. <laughs> okay. So why do you think I think that? Based on your church going experience. <laughs> all right. So I'm trying to get into into your head. Yeah. Of why. I think that you think the uh-huh. church people are weird. Yep. All right. Uh, is it because of the way they talk and the way they dress? Sort of. Sort of. And possibly the way they act when they're in church, 
which might be very different than the way that they would even act outside of church. Yes. All right. Is Am I hitting on it now? Yeah. Okay. But I'm supposed to meet them at church and then hang out with them, not the other way around, according to church? I don't think it has to be that way. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be that way. <laughs> You're supposed to meet them at yeah. church and then go hang out with I'm supposed them. supposed to come to church right. and then... Gain a whole new friend group full of Jesus acting like people uh-huh. and then hang out with them outside of church, right? I mean, yeah, it can happen that way, sure. Yeah, so that's can, not going to happen. Or it can happen the other way, too, <laughs> where you hang out with people outside of church and then you start hanging out with them and going to church with them. So it can go both ways, right? No, it can't. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> All right, fine. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> um, my next question is: Was Jesus weird? All right, because he seems like he would have been pretty weird. Okay, because he was always telling people to be better or speaking in riddles, not really telling people exactly what he was talking about, and <laughs> making them try to figure it out instead of just being straightforward. So, right. Was Jesus weird, and is that why I think church people are weird? Because church people are trying to act like Jesus, and Jesus was weird. <laughs> okay, so I guess it depends. All right, so like, let's take it back to like Jesus' time, right? Okay. We're going to poll people in Jesus' time of if they thought excuse me, if Jesus was weird. Right. Okay. If you would have polled his family, mm. they would have thought Jesus was weird. Okay. Right, so well, they, they knew him best. So they, they would have thought he was weird, because even though Mary, his mom, and Joseph, his dad, seemed to like that, they had an idea of Jesus as Messiah, those kind of things. The way Jesus was going about things, the fact that he was, the way he was teaching and healing people and causing all kind of a stir, it actually would have reflected on the family. And so he would have been the most non-traditional rabbi in the world. And so though, so his family was like, Jesus, you got to tone this thing down. You're making all of us look weird now. So you're, make, you're, you're actually, <laughs> this is not good, Jesus. So his brothers and sisters, I think, were probably a little bit at, alarmed by what Jesus was doing. Okay? It's my brother, Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's Ugh. there's like two different occasions in the Gospels where his family actually is coming to Jesus and basically being like, "Jesus, come with us. You just need to kind of let's just let's just go back to Nazareth. You come with us. Let's just lay low for a while." Oh, pulling the honor your father and mother card <laughs> well, on well, Jesus on Jesus, right? Well, and a lot, again, I think largely it was you wrote that. So let's go. <laughs> let's go do this thing, right? Okay. So I think his family would have had some ideas, especially brothers and sisters. Yeah, Jesus is being weird. I believe that if you would have asked the religious leaders, oh, he was definitely weird, but also just blasphemous. And okay. so, so religious leaders, yeah, they're not for him. The crowds, uh, I think the crowds, as a the way it's described as the crowds, the individuals that would come and gather around Jesus and listen to him teach and watch him perform signs and wonders and bring sick people to him for them to be healed. The crowds, I think they were intrigued by Jesus, but some of them probably thought it was a little strange of what was going on as okay. well. So they were, they were intrigued by Jesus. 
Now, the 12 disciples, those that knew him best, those that, you know, were with him all the time, you know, they were following him, loved him, they were for him. But I know there was times, you see it through the Gospels, he would do things and it would leave them absolutely freaked out, scratching their heads, or at times even thinking, who are we following and what is this guy doing? I mean, from, you know, speaking to a storm and the storm just ceases to Jesus walking on water to Jesus taking five loaves and two fish and feeding 5,000 people with it. Um, Those are some small pieces. <laughs> well, the beautiful part was that he multiplied it, Nate. Oh. Yeah. So everybody got some fish and, okay. some, and some bread. So it would have depended on who you asked if Jesus was weird or not. But when you're asking not just was Jesus weird, but he was weird because he spoke in these riddles. He was weird because he's always saying, hey, act better, be better, do better. You know, was he challenging them to be different and to live differently? Yeah, he was. So I don't think that's necessarily weird. What was weird to them, though, as, okay, for the Jews, what was weird was he was asking them, to be transformed on the inside. And in other words, the, the it, he wasn't just focused on their outside actions. He was focused on them being transformed on the inside. That would have been a weird concept for them, a new concept, a different concept. Because now Jesus is saying, hey, cool that you do these things, but I need it to come from your heart and not just outside actions. And, and then he wanted actually for them to think about others first and to put others above themselves and not just be focused on themselves. And I don't know if a lot of us love that even today, right? Right. I mean, we're pretty self-centered. Yeah. And so anyone coming across saying it's not about you. Right. We don't necessarily love that. And did he speak in, you phrased it as riddles, parables, yes, that where parables are just stories that are conveying a truth. Did he speak in parables that people did not understand at times? Yes, he did. And But he did explain all of his parables to his disciples. So it wasn't like he was just speaking in riddles or parables to everybody. Um, his his followers knew what he was talking about. He was using common language of the day to try to express a truth point. And I think the larger groups were probably wrestling a bit with trying to, how to understand what Jesus was talking about. Because it was just so new and so far into them. Okay, well, all I'm saying is there is no part in the Bible where Jesus and his disciples just like went to watch gladiators and and have a glass of of wine and well him not bring up some spiritual <laughs> end of the world whatever right okay but all right <laughs> spiritual end of the world all right whatever um all right but that's not actually true okay that's not actually true now we you can't count the last supper <laughs> okay we'll count the last supper we'll put that on the side okay but all throughout the gospels starting and I know you're going to say, well, that was where his first miracle was. But starting with the wedding of Cana in Galilee, or in Cana of Galilee, he, Jesus was just at a wedding, just as a guest, just as a visitor there. A straight wedding? Yes. Okay. And so he's just there. <laughs> you're such a jerk. <laughs> and so he's there and, and just hanging out. 
that was his whole purpose and intent of going there. And of course, now mom comes around and is like, hey, turn all this water to wine. And he does. So I understand there's a miracle there. But then all throughout the rest of the time with his disciples, they're constantly going to people's homes and houses and just hanging out with people, eating, drinking. Like they were doing all of that with his disciples and so we're just with, with just normal average day people. So yeah, but he always had that to bring up something. Okay. Well, in the Gospels, we see where things are being brought up because they're trying to use those to illustrate certain points or teachings. But we see enough of it where you're like, okay, that's just Jesus' habit. His habit was to go and just visit and be with people in their homes. That was just normal. And it wasn't always his fault. He wasn't always bringing up stuff. A lot of times it was Pharisees or scribes or others going, hey, Jesus, what about this? I mean, there's one instance where he and his disciples, they're not fasting. They're just hanging out. They're drinking wine. And they're like, why are you, you know, they go to the disciples and they're like, hey, how come all y'all do this? Why are y'all acting like this? Shouldn't basically you be quote unquote more religious? And then Jesus intervenes and da da da. But my whole point is they're just, they're hanging out. So it wasn't like Jesus was always the one initiating some great oh, spiritual okay. lesson out of this. A lot of times he was being, he was just there to be there and people would bring up stuff. Well, I feel like the choice to not include any times where that didn't happen uh-huh. in the books potentially gives Christians a a skewed view of what he was actually doing. Maybe, but then I would say they're probably not... I mean, I understand that they wouldn't be interesting parts to include in the story and would make it longer and... right not have any bearing on anything. Right. But. Right. So I think you just have to look at it and go, all right, this was this was Jesus was doing this. This was happening. Therefore, you can see this is a normal pattern of him hanging out with people that he wasn't supposed to be hanging out with apparently according to religious customs. Or even going and hanging out with his friends like Mary and Martha and, you know, Lazarus um in Bethany. So does Jesus have one personality? Okay. That all Christians are trying to replicate within themselves. Jesus had a personality. Okay. Okay. But I don't know, like, like we would sit here and we would label people's personalities and go, well, they're an extrovert. They're an introvert. They're quiet. They're loud. You know, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Or you take personality tests and you're like, well, I'm an otter or I'm a beaver or I'm a... <laughs> Hufflepuff, right, or whatever the Harry Potter nonsense is. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, or you you know you do the the disc one. I'm a D. I'm an S. I'm a C. I'm an I. Whatever. Okay, we take all these personality tests, and so I think what you would say is Jesus was perfect in his personality. In other words, that Jesus was able to be. You know, because a lot of these personality tests, you're when you look at them on a scale, it's like, are you more people oriented or more task oriented, mm-hmm. right? And I think what Jesus would be the perfect blend of all of those, if that makes sense. We're not, we're not like that. Like we're going to generally be bent. Either I'm an extrovert, or I'm, I'm more of an extrovert, or I'm more of an introvert. I'm more people oriented, or I'm more task oriented. And that's just kind of the way we're bent. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if Jesus is out there. I think Jesus created us with our personalities, to be honest with you. So I think he's given us personalities. 
And so I don't think we're sitting there having to try to come up with what is the perfect or best personality. I think we just acknowledge, okay, this is my personality. And to be a more full, more well-rounded person, yes, I probably need to integrate other things that do not come as naturally to me. Okay. But no, I don't think there's like one particular way that Christians should aspire to act in a personality sense. So when you say, why don't Christians act like Jesus? Do you really mean why don't Christians do what Jesus said to do? Or do you mean why don't people try to do some of the same things that Jesus did? Or do you mean why don't Christians speak in riddles and <laughs> and yeah, no, I, have no fun? <laughs> Jesus had fun. I just okay. want to insert that. All right. So I think that for me, acting like Jesus is not just doing what he did. It's being who he was. Okay. And so I'm talking about in, from that being, yes, you will do certain things. Mm-hmm. But... All right, so for example, if someone is just kind, I think Jesus was kind. And so I think what you're looking for is be kind. Jesus was generous. Be generous. Jesus was faithful. Be faithful. Jesus exercised self-control. Exercise self-control. Like Jesus was full of joy. Be full of joy. Jesus had peace. Have peace. So for me, when I'm talking about acting like Jesus, I guess I think of it more in line of the the inside but because of, of if I'm at peace or I am faithful or I am gentle or whatever on the inside, I'm full of love, of course, that's going to come out in my actions. Christians seem like they don't really know what's going on about anything other than what's going on in their church a lot of the time. Okay. So is this a trait of Jesus so I think it depends on the type of church you go to. So I think that, I think you're right. I think some grow up in a, a kind of a, a pretty defined, limited, you know, space and experience, mm-hmm. okay? But I don't think that's the case for everyone growing up at church. There's a whole lot of people growing up in church who live a certain way Monday through Saturday that's vastly different than the way they're being told and talked and shared to live on Sundays, right? But they're doing that because their parents are acting differently Monday through Saturday as well. Okay. So I think it really depends on the church you're talking about. I do think there are some churches that have a very um, kind of closed-in, sheltered vibe to it. But But I do think there's plenty of others, churches, and I'd probably say more churches that are not that way. Okay. People go, they're showing up on Sunday mornings, they're participating, but then Monday through Saturday, they're kind of really living however they want to live, and they may want to try to be good people, quote-unquote, but it may not always play out looking like, trying to look like Jesus Monday through Saturday. And so, because the parents aren't doing it that way, neither are the kids. When I was in high school... There is plenty of individuals coming to parties on Friday and Saturday nights that would have been at church on Sunday morning, but they didn't see any, almost like no contradiction in that because their parents were doing the exact same things. Okay. So I think it really depends on the church culture of that local church. 
I guess I'm not necessarily meaning partying or anything, but is uh-huh. there a is there a feeling that acting like Jesus means I shouldn't be a part of, I shouldn't be a part of anything else other than church and my family and I don't know. Again, I think that really is probably church culture dictated too. Because I mean, for a lot of people, like I mean, growing up in South Georgia, hunting and fishing and playing sports and I mean, all of that was part of life, mm-hmm. just as much as church. Okay, I would say church was one element of life, along with the hunting, the fishing, the you know, doing sports. Okay, so I, I don't think it was. I think it's kind of what we're getting. Like, I think some church. I think for some people, church is just like a part of life. Like it's one part of a lot of other parts, pieces okay. that come together. And then for others, it's more. It is more all-consuming. Everything is kind of you know their whole kind of schedule and weekly activities kind of dictated by what's the rhythms of that particular church. It really depends on the church environment. Okay, so another question I have about. Acting like Jesus. Okay. And maybe these are personal questions. Okay. But it kind of seems like people pick one part of Jesus's personality and latch on to that part and try to make their whole life that one thing. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus had 12 very close friends and even three of them were even closer. Mm-hmm. And so... You should have not that many friends and have some really close friends. Uh-huh. And like Jesus was soft spoken, everybody says. And so if you're loud and very extroverted, then that's not very Christ like. And is there, are there people that in church that pick one part of Jesus's personality and run with it and ignore other things? Oh, sure. And that's a problem. Sure. Okay. Yeah. No, I I think it, it definitely can happen. I don't think it has to happen, but it definitely can happen. Okay. Um, yeah, people can get kind of latched on to, to this to this one particular aspect of Jesus, whether it be a character aspect or whether it be, oh, Jesus was healing people all the time. I want to go heal people all the time, or right? Or right. Jesus was always talking to people about the kingdom, so I'm going to talk to people about the kingdom, or Jesus was seemingly always hanging out with sinners. I'm going to go hang out with sinners. Or, I mean, I think, yeah, you can lock, you kind of latch in onto one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, or like you said, Jesus was always having these 12 people around him. So I'm going to have 12, just 12 people around me. Yeah, people can do that. Should they do that? No. Okay. Yeah, because you got to be able to see the whole broader scope of what Jesus was doing. I mean, even the example you used with the 12 and the 3, but then Jesus had so many other friends. Mm. outside of that right yeah there was the 12 and then within when you say the three you mean you know peter james and john within that 12 Mm -hmm. and so yeah there so he did have those 12 that he was close with but then he also had a group of women that were traveling with him as well that he was very close to and so there's a group of women and then you've got mary and martha and lazarus you know a family and that was lived in bethany that he was very close with so you see a you see Jesus constantly having people around him. So even that fall collapses if you look at the broader, you know, scope of Jesus's ministry and it, or it, and really just his, not just his ministry, but his life. And so I think, yeah, it is the tendency for a lot of us to want to latch on to something and go, okay, well, if I can do this, then I'll be like Jesus. But it's just way more, <laughs> it's way more complicated or much more nuanced than just that one particular thing. So when you say 
to your congregation. Mm-hmm. You should act more Christ-like, mm-hmm. but you say it in a loving way and not a dictatorial way. Right, right. Um, of course. When you say that, what do you think most people think of? I think most people probably sit there and go, I need to be good. And then I, I would want to know, I'd want to know, what do you mean by good? But I do think that's probably what they, they sit there and go, okay, I need to, I need to be nice to people. I need to not be a jerk, you know, kind of thing. I, I think that's probably what goes through people's heads. Okay. Um, and they're probably thinking more about their actions toward others. Um, or maybe, so that's one aspect. The other aspect could be act more Christ-like. Okay. I need to be really like I've been in some circles where that would come across as okay. I need to be really spiritual. Mm-hmm. I need to, I need to really make sure that I'm praying every day and reading my word every day, and you know, not watching things on TV I should be watching. Like it kind of goes to the spiritual kind of part. Mm-hmm. All right, and I would say that's not. I think both are kind of missing the mark of what I would want to convey. Okay, so I would want to convey kind of the things that we talked about at the very beginning, where it was like, all right, here's here's the here's what the Holy Spirit produces in us. The Holy Spirit produces in us love and joy and peace. It produces in us kindness and gentleness and faithfulness. And so that's what I tend to think about. Or Jesus was a man who was able to quickly to forgive others. Jesus was a man who had integrity and conviction and and, and stood firm in truth, but also simultaneously had compassion for people. Like those are the things that I think about when I think about Christ, like, you know, being like Christ. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I do think that's a good point. I do think sometimes what can be heard using the same language, what can be heard in the congregation can be different than what I as a pastor am trying to convey. So what do you think? Like when you, when you've heard a pastor say that before, what do you think that pastor means? I think my mind immediately goes to all of the weird things it could mean <laughs> instead of what they actually are trying to get at. Okay. Like, Jesus was a baby, so should I act like a baby? <laughs> okay. So that's where my br- mind would go immediately, and then I'd probably forget about it after I was done with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> like, there is that whole middle part where he was a angsty teenager that nobody wrote about and I could act like that. Okay. <laughs> but that's not in there. Right. It's not in there. But he also he wasn't an angsty teenager. I mean he went through puberty. Yeah. So angst. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. When I think of angst, I think of a lot more than just being hormonal and you know having some emotions. I, I think of I think of you know all the disrespect and everything else that f- comes out of that. You can ask. Uh, do you I, think? Do you think like girls tried to go out with him, even though he was super ugly? That <laughs> girls tried to go out with him, and he went and asked God, like, "Am I doing that?" <laughs> Like is this, <laughs> this is, is, thing. is this part of this or? Well, no, because he was living in growing up in a Jewish culture, so girls wouldn't have oh, approached right. him. It's very so different. So he would culture. have had to approach them. Yeah. Okay. Very different culture. So he he would have asked God if he was doing that. He would have he would have asked God. Yes. So do you think he was asking God like, hey, why would you make this thing work if I wasn't allowed to use it? I think he would say, I am. God, I trust you in the way that I'm designed, 
But did but I think but what you're getting to though, this is the humanity of Jesus, right? right? I mean, did he have you know, were there physiological changes going on in his body? Yes. Yeah. So angsty teenager. <laughs> That's the Jesus I'm gonna be. <laughs> no. Like <laughs> I think, I think, and I think too, yes, uh, all right, so you've got me all over the place at this point because you keep going back to angsty teenager, and I keep wanting to go, no, he wasn't like this bratty, um, hyper-hormonal. I don't want to make chairs. <laughs> Man, enough chairs. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, like, right, by the time he's 13 or 14, he's full-blown in apprenticeship mode working with his dad. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not denying there wasn't puberty and hormonal changes and the emotions that come with that. All of that's there, right? But also, Jesus is still perfect in his nature, which is very different than you and I. Well, that's right, right, because he's not dealing with this. He's not dealing with a fallen sin nature inside of him the way you and I are. He was a perfect baby. Yeah, I mean, perfect baby that cried and always pooped, pooped and in his diaper. And <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of remove angsty teenager out of your mind. And let's let's focus on. Well, that's where my brain would go. Okay, that's where your brain would go. Though. When you act more Christ-like, act more Christ-like. Well, okay. So you're basically you're like, well, I'm choosing which part of Christ-like <laughs> I want to be. I'm choosing angsty teenager. I mean, that's not necessarily choosing. You're choosing the adult version. <laughs> choosing that's who he was, though. He wasn't an adult the whole time. He was Christ-like the whole time, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess. So, in other words, he's going to have peace. He's going to have faithfulness. He's going to have gentleness. He's going to forgive. All those things that we just talked about are happening as a 13 and 14-year-old in the same way it's happening as a 30, 31, 32, 33-year-old. Well, maybe that's my problem because I always think about the, the stuff he did instead of who he was. Mm. And that's and I think but I think that's what a lot of people do, right? Right. You say act like Jesus. You think about the things that he did do or he didn't do, right? Right. And what I'm saying is it's about who he was. That's who we want to be transformed in. So when I say we want to be more like Christ, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Fine, you win. <laughs> Thank I'm you. I'm not coming to church tomorrow. <laughs> Okay, so speaking of, we don't have a diary of Jesus's from the time he could write until the time he died. Sure. So we don't really know everything, despite whichever way you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. At it, we don't have a entire full picture of how Jesus acted the whole time. Okay. Is the information that we have enough to actually act like him? All right, so you're right. We don't have a picture of everything. There's not much written about his first 30 years. We know uh, he was born. We know about you know him going to Egypt. We know about him coming back. We know that he was left at the temple in Jerusalem when he was a, a kid. And so like, we know those few things, but those first 30 years are really... I mean, you're right. They're really blank in terms of the information we have. Mm. Okay. However, I still believe we get a pretty full picture of what he was like, though. We see the way that Jesus acted 
toward his toward his mom and toward his dad, and in particular his mother, who's with him during the ministry time, and then especially at the cross. Um, I love the way that he ensures that his mom is going to be taken care of. So he's on the cross dying, and he looks down at John, who's one of his disciples, and says, John, this is your mother. And to his mom, hey, mom, this is your son. In other words, what he's saying is, John, you're responsible now that I'm gone. You're responsible to take care of her. Make mm-hmm. sure she's going to be okay. And so he's even thinking about his mom at that point. So we see the way he acted toward his parents. We see the way that he acted toward those who hated him, to those who loved him. We see the way he acts toward friends who actually end up betraying him or even denying him. We get to see the way that he acts toward women and and embraces them in regards to bringing them into his, his sphere and his circle uh, of friends. We get to see the way that he acts toward those who were esteemed like really high in society and then others that were given no value in society. We get to see the way he acts toward God. And we even get to see the way he acts in the midst of suffering and then eventually, and even, even in the dying process. Mm. So I think there's a pretty full picture presented of Jesus and how he acts toward multiple individuals and situations. Are there any good verses in the Bible that encapsulate Christ-like as a whole well? So the the passage I've, I've been referring to a few times over in Galatians 5, verse 22, in regards to the fruit of the Spirit being love and joy and peace and so on, there's that passage in Galatians 5, 22. In 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, there's an, an incredible description of what love looks like. Because we throw around, the, throw around the word love a lot. And we kind of have our own concept, our own idea of what it means to love. But it's defined there in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, where you get to see, all right, this is what he, it means for Jesus to love. So in Philippians chapter 2, Paul presents a picture of what it looks like for Jesus to say, I'm coming down to earth, coming to humanity. I'm going to place others above myself. And Paul says, if you're going to have any kind of attitude, have the kind of attitude that Christ has. And this is what it looks like. And then Paul describes that. And so I think that all of those parts, the Galatians 5, 22, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, and the Philippians 2 all do a really good job of kind of being beginning points of going, all right, I want to be more Christ-like. What would that look like? What would that mean for me? I can start there and get a pretty good feel for it. Does being Christ-like mean acting like the exact opposite of the way people in the world who don't go to church and aren't Christians act? Um, I don't know if I want to put a blanket statement like that. Okay. Um, Because there's plenty of people who live to certain moral standards and are, are kind to people, are generous who are not followers of Jesus. And so I don't want to get into the, it's always us versus them kind of mentality or as if people who are not Christians cannot act in a generous or loving way. I think that's, that's, that would be false to say that, but living like Christ does fly in the face of much of the greater culture though. I would say Christians talking about being acting Christ-like we're told you know, to not just look after self. We're told to be quick to extend forgiveness, 
to those who have wronged us. You know, we're taught to not, you know, we cannot do just whatever it takes to get ahead. So I think there's some mentalities that you see a lot in society that do not align themselves with um, a Christ way of thinking or a Christ way of acting. Okay. So though, so I don't think it necessarily means the opposite of how people act in the world. As we discover more and more about Christ, that it we begin to see what it does look like to act like Christ in the in the in the midst of the world. And then there are some there are some things of acting like Christ that are going to clash mm-hmm. with most other people's way of thinking. Most other people go, if I've been wronged, I'm justified in holding unforgiveness. I mean honestly. Um, I'm justified in staying angry or mad at that person. Mm. And being Christ-like would mean, no, you're right. You may be an innocent victim. You may feel like you have a right to stay angry, mad, or hold unforgiveness. But Christ actually teaches us to forgive in the same way we've been forgiven by him. And so there are going to always be some some what I would call kingdom culture things or some Christ-like nature things that are attributes that are going to clash with the world. Do you think that do you think that you act Christ-like? Ooh. Do I think that I act Christ-like? Yeah. Sometimes. And But you're supposed to do it all, all the time. All the time. I know. Do I feel like I act like Christ all the time? No. Do I feel like that I act I think and I think sometimes we can kind of get into that idea of well it's either all or nothing mm-hmm. and i think sometimes i would say i act christ-like in some in some ways and then in other ways i do not so what ways do you think that you do what ways do i think i act like christ yeah oh, like boy. i think i've perfected this area of acting oh, I, christ-like oh i don't know if i've perfected any area all right well i'm doing better <laughs> than most in this area. <laughs> I, I th- <laughs> man, I don't know. I I think that I think I'm you know, it's like you're always kind of gauging it in some ways against yourself and not others, right? So okay. all, all I can do is go, where do I feel like there's been growth in okay. me looking more like Christ than where I used to be? I feel like I'm not as quick tempered as I used to be. And so I do feel like that's an area that I've grown in. I feel like that I'm I'm more generous than I used to be with with people and with with resources and just with time and everything else. And I do feel like I do feel like there's more of an honoring of people and where they are in their spiritual walks and journeys than there used to be in me. Okay. One of the things for me that I probably struggled with was uh being a bit critical at times of people and where they were in their journeys or what they knew or whatever. And some of that's just some of that was just pride in me, you know, coming out of theology school and thinking I knew more, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then other was kind of like a this sense of like, oh well the 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 Christianity, the, the expression of Christianity that I'm in, that our churches are in, that's better than these other churches. Mm-hmm. And I realized that's not the case. I've realized that I can't base some like what I believe is more spiritual, quote unquote, based upon just the way, you know, certain churches conduct their worship services, right? Mm-hmm. Or the way certain preachers preach, whatever it may be, like realizing there's a far greater 
breadth in the expression of Christianity and that getting that getting to that being Christ-like, I guess here's what I'm saying. There's people that are in churches that may not look or be seen as spiritual as some others, but there's the, the people within that church may actually be more Christ-like. And so I, I'm I guess I'm maturing a little bit in the way that I see and honor others and where they are in their spiritual walks and that it doesn't have to look like mine and their church expression doesn't have to look like mine. And so I, I think I've grown a little bit in that and honoring of people. Yeah. So I think, you know, those are some areas I, I probably do, I probably do okay in, or I say I do okay in, let me rephrase that, that I feel like I've grown in. And then there's other areas where, where do you just suck? <laughs> where do I just suck at? Oh, all right, so I think a couple areas that, to use your words, I suck in. Um, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I feel like I'm, I'm, I know that I need to grow in. is um, One is, is just peace. I think it's easy to say, you know, for me as a pastor to say, well, just have peace all the time. Just be at peace. And I, and I do think that I have peace often, but I also know that I struggle with it. I also know that I wake up in the middle of the night at two, three o'clock in the morning, sometimes really, you know, anxious about things. And so I battle with peace sometimes. And I think that can, you know, because the goal is to have a, a peace that doesn't get shaked by our circumstances. Mm. And that was tough. You know, like when a, when a loved one has a health issue, all of a sudden that's serious that can shake your peace when when you're in financial crisis. That can shake your peace. You know when things are not going well at your job. That can shake your peace. So like all those things, you know, if you feel like a relationship's kind of gone sideways, that can shake your peace, and it shouldn't. But I'm saying for me, it can. Mm-hmm. And and so like yeah, there's times I I still wake up. You know, I remember just last week waking up in the middle of the night, you know, just worried and anxious about something, you know, and I'm sitting there going, Lord, I need peace. And I feel like I'm on the verge of a panic attack, you know, you know, peace is something that I would love to have more of on a continual basis. I know that patience is something that I need more of and to be more patient. Um, I think with, you know, being married and having kids, I think I've grown in patience um, from where I was when I was younger, but I can still become impatient uh, when things just are not working quite right. You know, and then maybe another one is just, you know, insecurities. Jesus was always very secure in his identity of who he was. And I think sometimes that for me, uh, I don't know about others, but for me, you can have like sometimes like a, you feel like you're having like an identity crisis in the sense of like, I'm not sure, let me put it this way, I guess because I feel maybe inadequate in a certain thing, then I, I feel like that speaks toward my identity when it really doesn't. Like my identity should be sealed in Christ, certain in Christ. And I, and I feel like most of the times that it is, but there's those times where it's like, man, I'm battling with feeling inadequate in this area. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I feel like it's a really bad reflection on who I am um, as a person and in my identity, you know, and then I, I think, so, I mean, like, if you're going down, like, if you're going down the, like, the list of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, like, self-control, not just, you know, for me, it can be, all right, I'm not going to, like, I don't need to eat that right now, 
but I am going to anyway, right? Um, I don't need to stay up till midnight or one o'clock watching this show, oh, but I'm going to anyway. Um, and so I think those are the things like self-control, you know, I, that's something that I would really, to be honest with you, that's like probably maybe the one area I would love to see a lot more growth and progress in myself in regards to looking more like Jesus. And I know that's just by submitting to the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to work in me and transform me. And and maybe I do have self-control in some other areas, but there's like, you know, I feel like in certain areas with like eating and exercise and that kind of stuff, I can have more self-control. How about you? Like, are there areas where you're like, man, I'm crushing it in regards to being like <laughs> Jesus right now. You and I have talked about this before, but me trying to switch my way of thinking from, I guess, Old Testament God to New Testament God, covenant differences, right, has been very hard. Yeah. And so my whole, am I acting Christ-like versus not acting Christ-like mentality isn't even right. Uh, so I don't know how to answer your question. I gotcha. And that's where I'm not acting Christ-like. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, to me, the the angry, do this, don't do that, Old Testament God is a whole lot easier for me to wrap my head around than... I mean, we talked about this in the, the whatever episode we did, mm-hmm. but that's a whole lot easier right. for me to ha- wrap my head around. And I feel like my church-going experience has been... Church-going and life experiences have have shaped my way of thinking of God that way. Mm. And so that's how I think about it. Like, do good thing, get good thing. Do bad thing, get bad thing. Trying to think of how to act Christ-like is... is So I guess my only way that I know that I'm trying to act Christ-like is that I'm actually trying. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's good. I mean, yeah. And so I'm actually trying to figure out what that even looks like. Yeah. Cuz you're right. We've talked about this before like it's the it's the to to understand that God is the same in both Old and New Testaments. There's a picture of God that is portrayed by a lot of people that Old Testament God is this angry God sitting up there in the yeah. sky and that's really not a reality. But that's the way it comes across to people or has been taught to people. Right. And so, and then trying to adjust from that, you know, covenant with Moses to a new covenant, that's that's that tricky part, right? Where it's not all about the rules and the regulations and the do's right. and the do, the do nots. It's about... From don't kill people to just be nice. Be nice. Like, <laughs> yeah. What? Well, if you're nice, you won't kill people. So. I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the way Paul describes it, right, that that all of the law can be summed up in this one phrase, right. love one another. Right. And I know that can be tough to, to make that leap. Right. Yeah. Are there, so I guess in light of that, that kind of answers both questions. Of, yeah, that's, yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't even, I don't know. Yeah, I think so, I go the other way sometimes from, like, well, there's parts about me that I think I kind of like, so I'm going to put... <laughs> I'm gonna make those traits of Jesus, and <laughs> and uh, yes, yes, 
I got you. Mm-hmm. So, so the so then our discussion on being Christ like it's I mean it's, it's like a whole different like the way I'm approaching it then just seems to be foreign in some ways. Sorta. Okay. I guess I've never really like I've never really tried to think about it for myself, you know. And part of that could be because I don't know what other people think that even means. Right. Which is why I have all these questions about it, and we're going to have to do another episode. Fantastic. <laughs> all right. Sounds good to me. Well, this has been the When I Heard This Podcast. You can find the podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Rumble. You can follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at When I Heard This Podcast. Uh, Patreon, $5. Click all the buttons. Not the down thumb. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Nate Robinsoff, and you can find Joseph on Instagram at Rev Joe T. This has been the one I heard this podcast, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.